From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. The Craig Needles Podcast here at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. We're on your favorite podcast app too. Going to spend a few minutes talking about Greenbelt today here on the podcast. And that story evolves, that story continues, and you may have seen uh, we're recording this on uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. You may have seen on Tuesday morning that the government is uh, looking into uh, removing the uh, putting back protections on two greenbelt sites in Ajax that had been slated for development, and just the, the whole thing is becoming a, a house of cards that uh, is looking a little further less stable than it did even just a couple of days ago. And I wanted to get into that with uh, Denle Ajayes, who of course is uh, with. Uh, Ivy School of Business and uh, associate professor there and the founder of the Sustainable Finance Lab at Ivy Center for uh, uh, Building Sustainable. Uh, thank you so much for uh, having some uh, some time and, and having a conversation with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So this this Greenbelt story looked bad at the very start. Going going back to last September, it looked pretty bad. And and what I compared it to was going to the casino and borrowing a whole bunch of money and putting it on 34 black on the roulette wheel and it coming up 34 black. How do you know it was going to come up that way? And as we get the Auditor General's report and as we've seen more of of what this is this has become this story it's it's become pretty clear just about everyone who's paying attention that this is this is an ugly story for the government it looks really bad what's what's your reaction been sort of as we've gone through the last couple of weeks post auditor general report here yeah thanks for asking so we have to say that at ivy we wrote a tribute to the toronto star some months ago already when the project was being disclosed and we also make some uh, responses to the government, you know, with detailed comments and explanations. And so it was clear to us months ago already that it was not a good project, that it was didn't make sense economically, didn't make sense from an ecological perspective, and also that the processes were not respected. So when the report came, somehow it was confirmation for us and a bit of a relief um, because we were numerous to contact the government and issue some warnings. And um, yeah, so we somehow not surprised by what's happening now. And we really hope that it's going to just abandon the whole project because this is what they should do at this point. And, and that's the hope that a lot of uh, people, obviously, in Ontario politics and, and, and elsewhere have expressed. And I, I do find it fascinating that the government's line is we're going with the Auditor General's 14 recommendations here. But the one they're not going with is, hey, let's hit the pause button on the project and, and, and reassess this. Uh, especially when the government acknowledges that the project was not done properly and you're not going to reassess the results of a process that you have acknowledged was not properly done. It, it seems pretty clear to me as to what's going on here. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of surprising that in a government that is supposed to be evidence based that they didn't, you know, they didn't read the scientist uh, report in the talk to people. I mean, that it's it's quite rare that there's a consensus like this across scientists, across conservation organizations, across the citizens. Like, consensus is really clear, and, and they're still pushing forward. So, clearly, there are economic incentives uh, on some parts of the stakeholders here. Uh, 
let's talk about the environmental aspect of this. And and look, there's the, and I'll say the word, there's the corruption aspect of this, but there's also the environmental aspect of this as well. And there could be some serious damage to the environment uh, if we're talking about developing greenbelt lands, we're losing farmlands and things along those lines. There's There's some stuff here to be concerned about, right? Yes, I mean, people don't know, but we're in the most, most biodiverse place in Canada, in southwestern Ontario, and, and people uh, don't know about that usually. And so everything we do here matters to Canada, but also to the, all North America in terms of ecosystems and climate, because we have birds migrating here, we have insects, we have a lot of species at risk. So um, the recommendations from, uh, against from scientists is that we should have 30 percent habitat coverage with native habitats and right now we're in 15 percent so we we have what we should be to be climate resilient and and destroying more is, is not going to help you know and it's going to have massive impacts uh for the entire climate both canada but also u.s mexico uh, so it's really really important that we protect this this tiny part of lands for for us but also for the next generations yeah, and, and it's very clear here that the only people who are benefiting from this are those who own this land. Because I don't think that the argument the province is benefiting from the increase in housing stock holds water for me. We've heard from a lot of housing experts that say you don't necessarily need to do the green belt, you don't need green belt developments. You don't even need to do them at all. And people within those communities as well saying, hey, we've got lots of land to do lots of infill development. We don't need to be doing green belt. It's, it's, it's very obvious that there's only one very specific group of people who are benefiting from the way this has been handled. Yeah, and I, don't, I wouldn't say it's the landowner, most likely, because if, even if supposedly this market has been open to publicly uh, public markets, probably the price of the land would have increased much more, and this is what the report says, you know. Uh, so those will really benefit from it, of course, the landowner, but really it's the real estate developers. Uh, those are the ones who would benefit from this uh, from this work, you know, because basically they acquired a land as an underpriced, you know, market, and uh, and now they can they can develop and benefit and make a lot of benefits from it. And real estate developers, they don't carry the costs, and they're not going to be the one paying for infrastructure. They're not going to be the one who's going to have the houses flooded, uh, or people or those ones who are going to have to get. Uh, we know with all the issues with climate resiliency and, and that's going to be the citizen we're going to have to pay for that and and people will buy these houses eventually yeah uh it's that's definitely part of the uh a part of the equation here as well so i i suppose your hope obviously is that they go and and rethink this it doesn't appear the government's going to do that but that's what you would encourage them to do right I think we should encourage anyone at this point to call or write to the member of parliament and the uh, provincial and, and, and just ask for withdrawing this project because this is a really bad project. And, and I think everybody said it clearly, uh, leading clear. So sorry about that. But so yes, we should, um, we should have this the complete withdrawal. I think this is the only good thing to do at this point, uh, not only because of corruptions and lack of democratic processes, but also because it makes no sense from an economic and an ecological viewpoint. Yeah, and and, and it's it's noted as well. Just having you know places that are are currently wetlands uh, or or places for water to go once we have you know weather events. 
Uh, that's what, you know, part of the green belt is right now. And, and they're not going to develop on what is considered to be the wetlands because they know what the floodplain areas are. But just the idea that we're sort of sending more water to places where it shouldn't necessarily be, there's there's some risk that comes along with that. A lot of risk, Clank. Just look at what happened over the past, I mean, last week, you know, in the region, you know, yep. huge flooding, people lost their lives, you know, I think, I think almost everybody I speak to had some flooding, you know, at one point. And, and this is just the beginning. So if you keep, uh, you know, destroying biodiversity and wetlands, uh, you're going to increase those effects, you know, and, and, and that's going to be dangerous, but it's going to be also very costly. And, and this is not something which is priced right now in, in, in the assessment. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be uh, really something that we do at all. And it just... It feels like folks are running into a wall here when they say, hey, stop this. And the government doesn't appear to be listening at all uh, the, from the, the politics angle of this. And, and uh, do you think that this is resignation level for, for Steve Clark, the way this was handled, the, the, the housing minister? Do you think this is resignation level for the premier, the way it was handled? Because it's, it's clear something has gone wrong here. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, I don't know enough about politics. Fair you know, enough. Sometimes you feel people should resign and they don't. You know? <laughs> so, but I think it's a it's clear that at least the project should be abandoned, and that as as I'm quite uh, to be frank, I'm hopeful, and I can see people fighting back, and the citizens, and you, and the media, and so if we collectively work together, there might be some change eventually. Uh, yeah, that's what what what's going to have to happen here. Just the way that this is sort of set up is is just is is not it's not the right thing for the province of Ontario. Is there anything else that that you want to add or, or or let me know? But anything that you think is perhaps under discussed in this greenbelt conversation that you want to make sure we mention before we wrap up our chat here? Yeah, I think it's very important that, you know, often people think it's housing versus the environment, you know, it's economic development versus the ecology. But this is not this is not the case, you know, if we want to be a province that's going to grow and sustainably, we need to work together with the environment, you know, and it's less costly to work with nature than trying to fight nature. That's that's the first thing, you know, nature is helping us. The second thing as well is that we know how to build housing and we know how to build, you know, ecologically friendly cities. You know, we have to put more density in the city. We have to put more public transportations. And there are many countries, and even like in BC, some municipalities are doing it. So it's not like a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of intent, you know. And and so it's really important now that as we're planning uh, the next decades of growth, and we're going to have millions of people coming to Ontario, that we plan ahead for uh, being competitive and a, a true sustainable development through our cities, car, but also through our protection of, of farmland too. Yeah, it's it just it just frustrates me. There's so many things that are needing to be fixed in this province. There, from you know our healthcare system to our social uh, social support systems. Uh, housing obviously is one of those things. I know the government would argue they're trying to fix housing here, but I think that's that's fraudulent. Uh, there's so many things. There's so many problems in this province. I I I'm annoyed that we felt we needed to add this one. Why do we need to have another problem, another thing that is that is not being run properly in order to to have to figure out that that's the part that annoys me about this. 
yeah, I kind of agree. We didn't need that. Yeah. <laughs> we could spend our energy elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Let's 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 figure out some of the things that are already broken. Let's not break more things. Well, uh, Don Lore, I, I, I thank you so much for for doing this and having a conversation with us about it today. Uh, uh, really glad you give us a couple of minutes and uh, and have what I think is a pretty important chat. So thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it as well. Dan-Laure Agelies, uh, here on the Craig Needles podcast, who, of course, with Ivy School of Business, associate professor there. And I wanted to just give you the details on the Ajax portion of this, because we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but I, I should just tell you what the story is. The government uh, said they are exploring putting some environmental protections back on two properties in Ajax that are within the Greenbelt. And that's because someone is looking at selling the properties once they were told, yes, you can develop here. Of course, the property became the hell of a lot more valuable once that occurred. So in a statement, Doug Ford discussed this. And he said he's going to revert 104 acres of land, or at least has threatened to do so. In the statement, Ford said the following, at no point was the intention to sell disclosed to the government's facilitator during active and ongoing discussions. So, oh, you didn't tell me you were going to sell this for a massive profit? Well, then forget it. So there's a couple of different ways you can look at this. One is, hey, they're trying to throw the province a bone here and tell people, well, look, we thought this deal was awful and therefore we've put the kibosh on. So there's that. However, there's also this. This just shows that if you peel back the layers of the onion just a little bit, the onion is rotten on the inside. And I really would like to see the province reverse course in this entirely and say, hey, we're going to start the whole Greenbelt process over again and maybe not develop the Greenbelt at all. But I think the horse is too far out of the barn for that. I think the horse is way too far in the barn for that. So it's not going to happen. Which I think is bad for the people of this province. And this is impacting the Ford government. Let me tell you right now. Right, the NDP and the Green Party of Ontario have both sent me emails today, news release emails, multiple times about problems they've got with the Greenbelt deal. I think they are making some hay with it. The First Nations aspect of this, the there's a demand from the chiefs of Ontario for the Ford government to return that removed land from the Greenbelt for a variety of reasons. You've probably seen the story. So Mike Schreiner is talking about that. You're also hearing about that from Merritt Stiles. Part of the conversation. Again, multiple emails today. Mike Schreiner said the following in a statement. The Ford government's 8.3 billion green belt has never been about building more homes all along. It's about billion-dollar favors for wealthy, well-connected elites. Now we're seeing the effects of treating the green belt lands as wads of cash play out in real time. The premier should absolutely do right by Ontarians return those and all other green belt lands immediately. They clearly see that there's something to be gained here politically from this. And I, I think that there is. I think they're right. Sometimes scandals... SNC-Lavalin as an example is a good one, are hard enough to explain that the public just doesn't really latch on to them the way that people who are super into politics might. But this one, 
man, these guys are going to Ford's daughter's wedding and staying in Doe, and all of a sudden their land portfolio increases to the tune of $8.3 billion. That is something that people can connect with and understand without having to spend a whole lot of time researching it and thinking about it. Because that's what I think about with a lot of this stuff is, do I understand the story? Yeah, but I do this for a living. Do you understand the story? Yeah, you listen to a news-based podcast in London, Ontario. Of course you understand the story, dear listener. But does the person that you play softball with understand it? Does the person who you see at your kids, whatever event it is they're into, gymnastics or dance or baseball or whatever it is, girl guides, does that person connect with what the problem here is with the green belt? So I think with some scandals, the answer to that is going to be no, it's too complicated. But with this one, I don't think it's that complicated. You gave people that you owed a favor, a sweetheart deal, and they made a whole lot of money off it. It's a pretty quick explanation. And the NDP is using the term corruption pretty regularly, despite lawsuit threats. But I think that that's not unfair. So Ryan Amato, no longer part of this, we talked about that on the roundtable on Friday, the staffer who was running this. Uh, I, I think it has to be a matter of time for Steve Clark. I think it's a matter of when, not if, that Steve Clark is out of that portfolio at the very least, or if not out of cabinet. Because Ryan Amato clearly hasn't done enough to be the, the sacrifice to the news gods. I think Steve Clark has to go. To even give them a chance to get out of this looking somewhat competent. Like the reality is, is very clearly would have gone all the way up to the premier. I think that much is obvious. But Steve Clark, I just think has to be sacrificed by the province, by the provincial government here in order for them to even have a chance. In order for them to even have a chance. Now, I've had a lot of people send me tweets and send me emails as we've done podcasts the last couple of weeks since the Auditor General's report came out. And they said, Craig, the opposition isn't competent enough to take advantage of this that's been created by Doug Ford, this mess that Ford's created for himself. People in Ontario aren't going to make Barrett Styles premier. The liberals don't have anyone that the people of Ontario are going to make premier, at least not in the next election cycle. This, this ain't going to go very far. And, and I'll, I'll be clear. I understand that point, and I think there might be something to it. But... This, to me, is probably just the first thing. I think we might find other stuff that this government has done that's been not so great. So if that continues to pile up, if that continues to be a thing, hey, what's going on with this particular bad corruption-y looking story? What about that one? What about this one? Maybe there'll be some accountability in Ontario politics. I think that this is a country where accountability in politics eludes us on many fronts, but maybe it'll happen here. I just don't know if I would rule out the idea of it happening here. Put it that way. Put it that way. Okay, let's uh, wrap up this edition of the Craig Needles podcast here. Of course, you can find the Craig Needles podcast Every Tuesday and every Friday at ClassicRock981.com, LondonNewsToday.ca. On Friday, we'll have the roundtable. Going to be joined here in studio by Jesse Roger Vanova, Ali Chabar, of course, lawyer in town, and with the Police Services Board, he's the chair there, and my good friend, former city councilor Hollywood Cheryl Miller. Looking forward to chatting with those three people coming up on Friday here on the Craig Needles Podcast for the Friday Roundtable. Thank you for listening to this Greenbelt Conversation. We'll talk to you in a couple days.
The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. 